Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome back, folks. Yes, sir. This is the Fire This Time podcast. We're going to try this episode 29 again, Aki. Yeah, we're going to try it again. We had some technical difficulties last time. Mm-hmm. Got to apologize for that. Delaying time, but you know, we back. Yeah, and it feels good to be back. feels good to be back in this month in particular. We're going get to get to that. You know, this is the, the month of the Taurus. Yes, it is. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get to some of the revolutionary birthdays occurring then. But go ahead and welcome the people real quick before I start, you know, detailing the episode. Well, we thank you for coming back. Episode 29, you know. We coming back to give it to you again. We should be still trying to do some upgrades to the equipment and things of that such nature. But we're getting better. You know what I'm saying? And we're getting smoother and we're going to try to get this thing rolling a little bit better. We glad that, you know, you with us. At the, it's at the beginning of May. You know, this is a good month right here. It's a nice month, a real powerful month. And this is another month for us to get shit done, you know. So, um, with all of that being said, um, what are we going to talk about today, Aki? Today, uh, we're going to talk about um, the recent CIA recruitment video <laughs> and some of the crazy-ass language they're using in there. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the recent actions by uh, Black Lives Matter Global Foundation, Patrice Cullors. Some of the leadership of the current moment we in, so-called leadership, and just give you some updates on on <laughs> some of the news there, you know, as we're known to do here at the fire this time. And uh, yeah, that that's the the major part of the episode. Uh, last week on the episode, that kind of got deleted. We mm. talked a little bit about David McCaddy and uh, updating you on his case down in Louisville. And uh, check into that. Uh, you know, some developments in that case have are, are definitely important. And also, we talked about Micaiah Bryant, but that episode got deleted. So, uh, we're going to keep it moving this yeah. time around and uh, instead of going backwards. But, uh, but yeah, you know, to kick things off, though, uh, with this week's fire, uh, we're going to talk about some of the May birthdays that are very important. Uh, today's May 3rd, so in two days, May 5th, we got Karl Marx's birthday Yeah, on May 5th. Uh, on May 5th. So, de- definitely the, uh, the great uh, economic philosopher. Coming out of Germany, you know what I'm saying? Definitely gave us a lot of the tools we can uh, help analyze capitalism with. And what, you know. Gave us sort of just a lot of bit of the, the inner workings of capitalism. You know what I'm saying? Also, uh, May 19th is, is an important day for our struggle. Uh, first and foremost, we got to mention our brother Malcolm X, you know Big what I'm Malcolm, saying? Big Malcolm, of course. Uh, and also uh, Ho Chi Minh. Also born in the same day. Ho Chi Minh. Yeah, I, I, I think I relearned that today. Uh, mm-hmm. They both born on May 19th. Ah. So uh, we're going to get, you know, in a future episode, we're going to talk a little bit more about Malcolm X, you know, closer yeah. to his birthday. But uh, we did learn also today, or I think uh, I keep going and lead us off with this. Uh, interesting fact you uh, you know about Ho Chi Minh. It ain't necessarily uh, a fact. I remember in the movement, though, um, some brothers had told me a while, a while ago that Ho Chi Minh learned from... He learned or he attended Marcus Garvey meetings. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually, had, I at one point in time, I did go and look for the research and I found it. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, through the years, I lost track of it. Mm-hmm. And so when I mentioned it to Aki, he looked it up and he found it. Mm-hmm. So look, the, I'm reading an article from uh, humanitiesmoments.org, but it mentions, this article mentions a film, Ho Chi Minh in Harlem. So there's a... Uh, uh, and, and the subtitle of the film is Marcus Garvey and the American Empire. Uh, that's part of the subtitle of the film. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and the author of this article goes on to say, I was beyond excited to see the connection between Marcus Garvey and Ho Chi Minh 
as I see the black struggle in the United States similar to the Vietnam struggle and that both races were in a constant battle for liberation and freedom in contesting territory or carving out a space on the earth where people could express their own ideologies and live their own way of life. Marcus Garvey was a huge proponent of black people in America carving out territories within the United States and creating their own government structures, military and political systems, etc., Author there kind of misses that Marcus Garvey's emphasis was on the migration of African people. Yeah. But still, uh, the point still stands. To know that Ho Chi Minh attended Marcus Garvey lectures and meetings were rewarding and that it shows that Ho Chi Minh met with all races in his quest to build a bridge and shape his identity, which moved him closer to contesting territory and win the ultimate battle for Vietnam, independence. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Uh, Ho Chi Minh sharing the birthday of Malcolm X and also learning from Marcus Garvey. That's what's and up. And I mean, right we there. know that Malcolm X's parents were Garveyites. Definitely yeah. a very interesting connection there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Some other connections, but we ain't got time to go through. Them. Yeah, no, no, we ain't not, not as much time. Not as much time. So uh, that's it for this week's fire. We're gonna be uh, following up on Malcolm X and you know commemorating him. You know, we gonna uh, have to do something week. for that. Oh yeah. Oh you know? yeah. Uh, but let's keep it moving, Aki. Uh, I think uh, I think we're gonna go. Straight into the uh, CIA recruitment video. Yeah, yeah, that was something special right there. So uh, if y'all haven't watched it, uh, you know, you need to check it out. We're going to put a, a link to it a description in the description for this episode. But uh, there's a very, uh, you know, uh, I guess modern CIA recruitment video, very mm-hmm. flashy. Uh, and uh, it features a young Latina woman yeah. that is uh, talking about, um, you know, her experiences as a CIA agent. Yeah. And member of the uh, of the CIA. Now we know all about the CIA. You know, what I'm saying how it's disrupted our movements. Yes. Uh, not just disrupted, but just straight up killed off African leaders yeah. abroad. It's been against the Pan African movement since forever. Now, you know, part of the CIA. You know, this is part of a long tradition. Before we even get into the video, let's lay some context. Hmm. You know, especially for Black folk. Yeah. And how we're thinking about the CIA and how it's being presented to us. Yes. Now, in the most popular movie in our recent history related to black folk, indirectly, I, I mean, we should say, yeah. Black Panther. Yeah. Now, I ain't talking about Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> I'm talking about uh, the Wakandans. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That Black Panther film. Yeah. Now, what happened in there? Why well, I bring in the CIA in that film? Because they the co-star. Mm-hmm. The CIA is a co-star mm-hmm. of that film, right? Yeah. I mean... Princess Shuri is giving is giving the CIA agent, you know, not only the technology, yeah, but also the license to kill other Africans mm-hmm. that are seeking to arm African Americans. Yeah. So the CIA, you know, through how they work throughout Hollywood, it, it legitimizes themselves in Hollywood. That's just one example we're talking about. Yeah. You know, uh, and there's plenty others to refer to, but just think about if they're gonna do it in Black Panther, that film, you know. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. to ha- having that script. How did they get in the script, y'all? How did they get in the script? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, answer the questions, Haki. How did they get in the script? That the CIA, you know what I'm saying, is, is the good guys. Now, if it had been a true one, because any true movie from the, from re- coming from respectable black people, mm-hmm. you would have seen uh, uh, Black Panther and the first people he would be going against, being on the continent, CIA. Facts. FBI, facts. MI6, well, all this, he, he hitting up all of them. That would generally be his enemies if it was a Black Panther movie done by, uh, 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 um, done by somebody who was willing to be honest 
and ain't willing to buy out. And I know this is a hell of an aside that we're going on, but Aki, I gotta bring up here locally. We did an event after a Black Panther showing. Yeah. And we had a packed house, all black folk in there. Packed house. Packed house. Aki was on the panel speaking about the film. Man. Now, we were so starry-eyed. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, our, our critiques were not as cutting as they should have been right yeah. after seeing that yeah. film. And that, that shows you the effect of Hollywood. And we learned a lot more since then. Oh, yeah, for sure. We definitely learned a lot more. Yeah. But, no, Aki... It was, it's a problem though that we seen the CIA in that film and didn't have the red alert going on. <laughs> yeah, it is a problem. It is a problem. It speaks to it speaks to uh, slipping on you, slipping on you discipline. I mean, that, the whole film was surrounding, you know, the CIA of Wakanda, this Afrofuturist society. Think mm-hmm. about that. You know what I'm saying? With the pretty princesses, the it and, just, yeah, and, and, it was, and the very understanding and caring leader. But you gotta remember, we were still mesmer. We was it was still a little bit of the spell of Obama. Mm-hmm. In, in, in nostalgia, you know, there was still a little bit of stuff left over in the people. Mm-hmm. You see, all the people, it was packed. I'm like, shoot, man, we didn't get a packed house like this. And all the events we did. Yeah. Nah, hey, I ain't gonna say that. I keep. No, we got some packed house yeah, events, but I'm saying that that one was deep. It was people outside. I mean, it was it was it was it was deep in the movie theater. Like, yeah, it, it was like we we you know rented out a spot inside the movie theater, like after the film. So, and we promoted. So it was a packed house. You know what I'm saying? We had some dope shit in the community still. Though. Yeah, 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 we did. Um, but yeah, all right, let's get back to the actual CIA recruitment <laughs> yeah, video. Yeah. This, this, this is at the con, and, and this video, this recruitment video, is in the context, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of this, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, in this CIA recruitment video, this Latina woman is saying things like, I'm a cisgender millennial, uh, you know, diagnosed with gender anxiety disorder. <laughs> uh, also, what was it? Uh, what was the other, the other part of it, Aki? Uh, she said, uh, uh, Diagnosed with, um, I'm intersectional. Yes, that that was it. I'm intersectional. Like the CIA and myself are intersectional. <laughs> now this this is, you know what killed me? I, you know we got problems with bell hooks. You know she don't use enough citations. She got some crazy, <laughs> she got she got some crazy, she, citations. she got some messed up stuff she said about black men. Yeah. You know what I'm saying without citations and you know she can be back and forth with some of her reasoning. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I, I, and, I just got back. I just got nah. beef with her because she says some stuff about black men and she don't use no citations. I got an issue with no citations. Now, but even her, she says, you know what I'm saying? And, and she got some great work, no, no doubt about it. But, you know, on this podcast, we're going to get the fire. But even then, Bell, Bell Hooks even says in her writings that once terms have been co-opted, once symbols have been co-opted, it's time to move on. Mm-hmm. If the CIA recruitment video is, 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 is promoting... Intersectionality. Mm-hmm. It's time to move on. It's time to move on. For it's real. Time to move when they on. co-signing yo, when they co-signing ideologies, theories, uh, uh, tools, we use a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But when they when they co-signing your shit, mm-hmm. because on the popular stage now everybody want to talk about oh you know in, in in the most dense academic versions of intersectionality, uh, it spells out something different. Well, uh, let's put that to the side because the popular popular uh, popularly people ain't reading those yeah you know what i'm saying people are interacting with intersectionality more so in the mainstream ways it's used yeah in the in the mainstream platforms that uses it yeah right people ain't reading the patrice hill collins yeah i've read it mm-hmm. and i can speak about that but that's not how people is really uh patricia hill collins my apologies yeah that's not how people is specifically coming into a conversation about intersectionality yeah intersectionality is not popular directly because of the academic work is because of how the academic work and it was coming out of a white academy has been utilized Mm -hmm. is how this uh what i call colonial gender theory has been utilized 
you know and there's some people that honestly try to use it for good ends and 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 have accomplished somewhat of doing that yeah but when it comes to intersectionality and this is going to be a theme of the course you know what i'm saying because mm-hmm. as we go into how intersectionality is used by black lives matter yeah we're going to come back around Ooh. you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. but uh but yeah i mean intersectionality works for the cia because the intersectionality works to de- to dehumanize and marginalize black men and, and black males. I, and I also say that it sort of shows who they're targeting. Mm-hmm. Because the, 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 in this generation, we have sort of, you know, in these recent years, we have been um, socialized to these terms. Mm-hmm. Intersectionality. We use them. We see them in TV. Cisgendered. You see what I'm saying? Now, with you know, these identities... Um, or created identities to some extent, but identities that people are using now. They're trying to gear their recruitment and they're targeting it to one, a younger generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, agents, potential agents. Oh, yeah, you see it clearly now. Potential agents. You know, oh well, we believe in all of what you believe in, but we just believe in defending the country and making sure nothing happens. And, you, know, we, you know how they do. So it does speak a lot. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I think she said, "I'm a yeah, I'm a millennial, mm-hmm. cisgender millennial." Yeah. So she, you know what I'm saying? And, and we'll put the the these terms to the side in, in one sense and just say that these new ways that this white led liberal society has created to categorize ourselves, mm-hmm. you see how they are intent on using it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And These I, new categories that are being developed not by an anti-colonial black resistance society, but being created by a white liberal society, by and large, you see how these terms are being used. And, yeah. You know, and that's dangerous. And it also looks at, too, who they're targeting for their mass, their, their mass exploitation, mm-hmm. in a sense of. And 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 I would say that um, my Mexican brothers and sisters, or Latino brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. might need to be watchful. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, I seen the Takashi Six Nine concert crowd. You know. You know what I'm saying? That let me know right there, Aki. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Our Latino brothers and sisters. You know what I'm saying? I'm worried about y'all. Why so many of y'all going to his concert? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then, but the thing is funny is because I'm like this. That's wild because in they culture, snitches get stitches too. But I think that show you the the power of whiteness in this country. Yeah. In this society. You yeah. know what I'm saying? The power of whiteness and, and, and how it can make you assimilate. Well, I would also tell you this, too. It's politics as as wild because, see, in, in, in New York, where he's from, the bloods are black gang. Mm-hmm. They don't really have Latinos. The Latinos are generally netas, um, um, Latin kings. So, you know what I'm saying? It's still, it gets racial up there too, just mm-hmm. like in California. So, him even hanging, that's why it was sort of shocking to me when they was, he was hanging around the Bloods. It, don't get me wrong, I know it's, you know, it's Latinos and stuff around brothers and it's in black gangs and, you know, Crip and Blood gangs and stuff. But then I'm like, how you Latino folks feel about that? Mm-hmm. You know, so, um, yeah. Yeah, it tells a lot. I just say this, that, you know what I'm saying? They might need to be watchful of that. Don't, they might, because, you know, I say it like this. If you buy into whiteness, you're also a buy into Americanism, too. I mean, and I bring up, we bring, I bring up Latino identity for an important reason. 
Look at how it's being used by Joe Biden and the Democrats. Oh, yeah. Once they got our votes, what would, did Joe Biden begin telling black leaders? Yeah. Oh, you're not even the biggest minority in the country right now. That's Latinos. You need to get in line with what they're doing. Mm-hmm. That's literally what Joe Biden is telling black leaders. Stay in line because look what Latinos are doing. You know, and and where are the Latino leaders, Latina leaders that are coming out against this? You know, yeah. Uh, I mean, I mean, extent, I mean, even where are the black leaders? That's about to say know, where the black leaders at that, that are standing out even against this, especially the ones that were in that room. I mean, yeah. not that we should even rely on them, but I mean, still, the problem is, I mean, we know about how how wet BLM is to yeah. the Democratic Party. Yeah, even they have no real response. Mm-hmm. You know, that, so. the, the, I mean, you know, that lets me just know further that the only solution to the black, the black solution is a black national solution, yeah. a nationalist perspective, and a, and a, and a, uh, no, matter of fact, let's go deeper, a Garveyite perspective placed in the United States, and that Garveyite perspective is race first. Mm-hmm. Got to think like that. All things economic, political, social, all of that, race. First, you got to think black, African-American, Negro. You got to think us first in America because in this system, everybody is sort of fighting to get up. So if you're talking about getting your spot in politics, if you're talking about getting what you need as a community, you got to think race first. I mean, this concept is present elsewhere as well. You know what I'm saying? Like even in black feminist historical work, I'm thinking about Evelyn Higginbotham. She has a work called uh, Race as a Meta Language. Mm-hmm. And she speaks about race, sex, and class, race, yeah. gender, and class. Mm-hmm. But she speaks about race as a meta language. Race yeah. is how we come to understand these others. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And, and uh, it's through race we can understand gender for black people. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's not, you know. Uh, and yeah, I mean, this, I mean, intersectionality. Why does it work for a CIA recruitment video? Is because of how it works to individualize society. How, how it works to segment off society into smaller and smaller groups, you know, like oh, so many other forces in this capitalist society. And this weakens our ability to unite and fight back and resist. Yeah. That's what all these categories are having the effect of doing because they're not coming from a revolutionary black place. Mm-hmm. They're coming from a liberal, integrative white place. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we need anti-colonial terms. We need an anti-colonial framework for understanding gender and sexuality in our communities. And, uh, I mean, this this should be a signal that intersectionality and what is given us is, uh, you know, is marginal compared to what uh, a framework from uh, from our ph- philosophy, what it can do for us. I mean, you know, um, when you think about it, too, it's also a target to um, black women. Mm-hmm. Feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's crazy because it seems like you know um, your participation can change this institution. Your participation is part of the progress of this institution. Yeah, and to be honest with you, it's like okay, we're gonna snatch up the most um, <laughs> diverse cast of characters. Yeah, yeah, cast of characters. So you know, I mean, you know, hey, um, it's just ironic. You know, I, I was sort of shocked to see a CIA recruitment video. Mm-hmm. You know, that sort of threw me off. I'm like, what, a recruitment video? Like, the Navy, they recruiting? You know? Maybe it's not even as much recruitment as it is propaganda itself. Very much could be. Trying to put out ideas about itself. Mm-hmm. But, the, uh, but yeah, the CIA. Yeah, mm. man. Intersectionality mm. in CIA. Mm. Uh, That's I mean, something new right there. 
Well, it's not new. <laughs> right. But uh, it's, it's like, new for me to see. Mm-hmm. I've never seen a commercial for that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been done before. Something like this has been done before. Mm-hmm. And th- these are just the new terms it's being done under. Ah. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess, uh, let, I mean, let, let's get a little bit now, I guess, into the BLM. Uh, yeah, started rolling into that, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, he added again. Mm-hmm. So let, let's actually start with this. Uh, the notion of intersectionality, you know what I'm saying, and, and BLM, and what it, what it led to as far as their funding. And uh, we watched uh, T.S. Son Johnson, Dr. T.S. Son Johnson did a video on this, but we saw videos about this on a wide range yeah. of platforms. That's just the most recent one we watched. Yeah. And, Shout uh, out to T.S. Son Johnson. Right, and uh, he was talking about how, although this is a movement born from a disproportionate amount of black men dying at the hands of police, the blood of black males, right, mm-hmm. that the organization that, you know, really took leadership from what was happening locally in Ferguson. And we talked about this in previous podcasts, yeah. so we're just going to say it now. Mm-hmm. The Black Lives Global Network, they stole leadership. They stole attention. They stole resources yeah. from what was happening locally Yes, and for their own ends. And we see in just in the 2020 Impact Report, Tiasan laid it out that uh, they brought in $90 million just in mm. that one year. They didn't say nothing about what happened previous years, you know what I'm saying? Just like they didn't have nothing to say mm. for the three or four years before the election last year, yes. you know, that just popped back up out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, talking about, oh, we have a national uh, political convening, you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Look what we're doing. Yeah. Vote Democrat, and then where y'all at now uh, uh, the 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 to do something about Biden. No, yeah. y'all just enjoying your positions now. There you go. And we're going to get into all the money they enjoying and spending. Getting that bag. Oh, they getting that bag. They are getting that bag. So, right, so this BLM impact report, back to it. So 23 of the 30 organizations mm. they gave over $100,000 to, they gave oh, six-figure grants to 30 organizations, right? Yeah. And they promote this, the fact that 23 of the 30 are focused and led by LGBTQ people, mm. black LGBTQ people. Well, I would say even go further. It it states that, and this goes back into that intersexual, intersexual framework. Intersectionality uh, seeks to frame the most marginalized segment of the community who they see are the most vulnerable, and thus they see that the most vulnerable is LGBT. And they and say this, that. Yeah, and they says it right here in the document, mm-hmm. and so they they. 23 out of 30? When we make up 200 out of 202 police murders? And, that, and yeah. uh, it's actually more than that. The yeah. ratio is, is worse than that. Yeah. You so know? it's like, it, it was sort of, it, it, it's, it's like it. We're over 99% of the victims yeah. of police murder, black men are. Mm-hmm. But black male led organizations. You know what I'm saying? You see how marginalized they are here. Yeah. Or, or, or just organiza- the organizations that get the funding here are organizations that employ mm. an intersectional framework, you know what I'm saying, that marginalize black men through the framework itself. We can go all the way back to uh, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw on stage mm. saying that white, men and black, you know, white women and black men share the same condition. They're only oppressed by either race or gender, not both. That's that's mainstream intersectionality. Yeah. And that's also what's at play here. Yeah. Because black men are men, they are not as vulnerable as people that are gay yeah. or people that are trans. Yeah, and I just think that, like, they take that... You can't... You got to think, too, though. That also spits into the framework of what we've seen in the election. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of separating black women from the black community. Mm-hmm. It was just 
black women and then the black community. These categories are seeking to further divide us yeah. and make it harder for us to unite. So, so th- th- These categories are not working to address long-standing harms in our community. Mm-hmm. No, oftentimes people are using these new frameworks to read stuff in the past that never even happened. Yeah. They're it, trying to read feminism into the past where it, ne- where it didn't even exist. It's it's, it, it, it's sort of wild and it's, it throws you off because they make the most... I mean, it just... And they use that word. Most vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And then black LBGTQ. Right. Despite the fact that it's black straight men that are getting killed by the police. Despite the fact even... There's studies that show, we'll link the study in, in the description of this post, that ev- that everybody has a bias, right? Yeah. That the biases that we make about people when we see them, mm-hmm. in the first second, the moment of seeing them, those biases are determined by what we see. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and what we determine about what we see. So white people, when it comes to seeing black men, there's a study that shows this. I can't think of the office, but you're going to see it in the description of this post. There's a, uh, when, when white people see black men, mm. a deciding factor in terms of how they fear them or how they attach black stereotypes to those black men is how they perceive their sexuality. Yeah. If white people perceive a black man to be homosexual, yeah. they are less threatened. They apply less black stereotypes to them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and in fact, homosexual identity has an effect that tends to, by degree, not by total, but by degree to de-race men, black men. Yeah, yeah. As far as how stereotypes operate in turn, uh, in the in the view and the lens of racist, right? Yeah. Uh, now this might hurt some black gay people to hear, mm-hmm. but th- but this is not about uh, a race to the bottom. This yeah. is about trying to understand the violence happening to our communities. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that a white patriarchal system is threatened by straight black men. There's yeah. theories that explain that intersectionality is not a theory that explains why. Yeah. That's why intersectionality has nothing to say about hundreds of black men getting killed by the police. It has no theory to really read that besides, oh, they're black. Nothing to say about their race. I mean, there's nothing to say about their gender, right? Well, when they take that and they put the movement and they build a movement off that, that's where it becomes sort of problematic because, see, to me, they're pretty much using black male death as a stepping stone to promote their own agenda. Right. You know, and, you know, they already in the hot water right now. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I see that this impact report came as the result. And this is what the impact report doesn't even mention that at all. Yeah. They issued this impact report after dozens of their, of their chapters, dozens of their uh, of chapters of BLM came out against the national mm-hmm. uh, organizing body led by Patrice Cullors. Yeah. Because of anti-democracy, because of lack of transparency and theft of funds. Yeah. Right. And, uh, and, and I mean, they went as far as the, the show that they elected Patrice Cullors again to leadership without asking nobody. Mm. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Definitely th- undemocratic. And th- this has been going on. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when you have those type of problems jumping off, you know, I think they were already open. I think people have sort of got on to them after a while. Because mm-hmm. sort of people have been talking in this tone about them mm-hmm. for about the last year and a half. Of course, we had figured this out a while ago, but people have been talking about that, about how they feel sort of duped by them. Mm-hmm. These these things right there should really let the community how, show more how they should feel duped, but more how they should have been played. I mean, we got to get into some of the numbers here. Okay, L- black LGBTQ people. LGBTQ people, and T.S. Johnson discussed these statistics on uh, the program we'll link y'all to. 
Less than 1% of the U.S. identifies as trans mm. from, uh, I think it was the Mitchell Institute study that he quoted. Mm-hmm. Under 5% identifies LGBTQ. And only 3% of trans people killed are killed by the police. Mm. But they're receiving money with hmm. on the deaths of hundreds of black men a year by police. Yeah. Last year, only two black women were killed by the police. Yeah. And be honest with you, though, I don't see much in here necessarily for women either. Right. They right. saw the X out of there, too. I, I, isn't that something? The invisibility of women. Between, cis, but, between, cis men and cis women. And, huh? uh, yeah, you see the frustration on black women all the time. If yeah. you really know black women in our community, yeah. they're frustrated by being made invisible again. Yeah. By by the intense oppression black men are facing that is very visible, mm. and they're hitting oppression that they're facing, but then you have this overemphasis you know, on black trans people. And, and I say overemphasis because this is the leading black organization here. Yeah. And 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 Tia San Johnson makes this point. He calls it a gentrifying gesture mm-hmm. as far as how they're directing funds towards specific ends and yeah. not the holistic black community. Yeah. He says gentrifying gestures are determined who has legs and who doesn't in a poor community. And these this type of money, mm. you know, ninety million dollars, these organizations were receiving six figures. This seeds six ideas. Figures. This mm. seeds ideas, plant seeds of ideas in our community. Are these ideas for us or against us? Yeah. We have to ask that. And um, I mean, he, and he spoke about, you know, this elite black uh, woman buffer class. Yeah. And this elite black LGBT buffer class. Yeah. Between the real demands of the black community and the real voice of the black community and how it's being communicated. Mm. You know, and that buffer class is real. Now I wonder, and that makes me think about something. Well, go ahead and finish. Go ahead and finish your quote. Okay. Yeah, let me, uh, let me see. And I mean, and for, for him... You know, they're receiving funding to address the black male death by the hands of police. Yeah. And our outsized death generally. Mm-hmm. And, but what this this shows, it, it, it further entrenches the diminishment of focus on black male death. True. It, it further entrenches the diminishment of focus on black, uh, on black male vulnerability. Mm-hmm. By if you're giving to 23 of the 30 organizations you give money to. Yeah. Are not... Attached to addressing the needs of black men. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. That are not focused on that. Mm-hmm. That is that is something that is worthy of notice and is significant. You know, and I and I agree with T.S.N. Johnson. It's a gentrifying gesture as far as it's definitely trying attempting to gentrify the ideas and frameworks indigenous to the black community. Yeah, uh, by 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 forcing forcing it through. Uh, out-resourcing uh, more indigenous organizations. True. You know what I'm saying? Like, if there's a struggling organization that's not aligned with that, but this brand-new organization gets a six-figure grant, and they're talking about black LGBTQ issues that they want to center in our community, Yeah. this is disruptive in an important way. Let me go get that. You know, it it, it, it has a... Dis- white, this is a, white money is always disruptive in this way. Yeah, yeah. Anytime white money get into an organization, you... Uh, that, you got a question. That's why that made Garvey beautiful. I can't take white money. And now they, they want to talk all about their funding once they got this stuff from George Floyd and Breonna Taylor's murders. Mm-hmm. But before that, what was the conversation? Hmm. For years amongst the black left, y'all are receiving tens of millions yeah. from white philanthropists. Yeah. Now they have a chance to not talk about that yeah. with this. 
and that's what they're doing. They don't want to talk about that white philanthropist money which kept them afloat and which put them in a position to retake the center stage last year during the election cycle. Yeah. Years before the election cycle, a few years before the election cycle, they was mm. exiting. Yeah. Stage right. BLM yeah. was out of here. Yeah. But they was being put in position by that old white money. And let's talk about that money now. I think we've kind of covered the problems with the, the marginalizing a focus on black male death and through gentrifying gestures of, of resources, <laughs> of you know. And like that right there, gentrifying gestures of resources. Hey, we need to provide better terms to describe. Like, you know what I'm saying? We need our own terms to describe this. Mm -hmm. Apparently, their terms ain't working. Yeah, yeah, you, you know got a saying? point there. So shout out to T.S. Johnson just for giving us a piece of something New definitions, upgrading my vocabulary. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, man, let, let's get into the money. The money. So, must be the money. So, we talked about some news last episode. They got deleted. But, I mean, y'all see the news. Mm. Ten, around $10 million, if not more than that, being spent by Patrice Colors. Mm. Or I mean, in the millions. I forgot exactly the, exactly the dollar amount. I don't amount. know if it's $10 million, but put it like this. She didn't bought like two spots that's worth a million. Uh, yeah. Uh, together. I think 500 and then another, you know, 500 And these are spots in white neighborhoods, white communities. Ain't in the hood. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, spending millions of dollars on property in white communities, mm. right? And she's saying that, oh, this is just what I do for my family. You know, mm -hmm. it, it's this corporative black feminism that's disturbing. Yeah. This middle class, in, like assimilative black fem feminism that mm -hmm. I, I guess legitimizes yeah. these bourgeois values instead of seeks to revolutionize them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yes, living in a gated white community is revolutionary. You know? And, Come on now. Is it, you ain't it, it, living amongst the people. It, it's part of your practice? Exactly, Aki. So, I mean, and some new, more news came out uh, this, this week that uh, Patrice Cullors and her jail reform group, <laughs> they spent yeah. on one weekend 27000 at a Malibu resort. I wish I could go to the Malibu resort. Aki. You know what, what I'm saying? How did they pay for it, Aki? This was the organization. Oh, the organization paid for it. Bro. Wow, I ain't going on the orgs, money. Ah, damn. I mean, it's that's a hell of an expense. It show you right there. I mean, let's not even try to mystify it, because we know if this was part of the history of some other leaders, or you know, what I'm saying, oh, if, yeah. if the, you know, what I'm saying, or if those the hey, leaders that if were Malcolm would have took Betty to Hawaii. <laughs> we never heard about. We never heard the end of it. Or if, they, if she took her to live in a gated white community. Never heard the end of it. It shows you where their values are, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But the critique ain't where it need to be at, you know? Uh, you know? And, uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's bad It's bad when a day or two... Now, now, get this. Let's talk a little bit about an organization we're part of. Let's make it real spicy, Aki. I mean, when I seen MXGM sign their name, a few, a few days before the news came out about... Uh, Patrice Cullors buying these homes. Mm -hmm. It might have been a day before the, that news broke. Yeah. Several members of MXGM signed on with even like a Future the Rapper. Yeah. And some other, like a whole crazy list of folks. Yeah. To a letter defending Patrice Cullors and saying she's a leader of our people. Mm hmm. How, how did, like, it shows you how personality is worshiped. Yeah. I was disgusted that MXGM's name appeared on that document. Mm -hmm. I think uh, my suggestion was that no, our name should never appear on no document like that. Mm -hmm. As far as uh, uh, how, how can we support by name the other side? I mean, is this a nationalist struggle, Aki? 
I mean, no, it's not a nationalist. I struggle. mean, uh, uh, they like to portray it as one. No, 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 it's not a nationalist struggle. From MXGM's point of view, it should be. I mean, from MSGM's point of view, this is what we're engaged in. We're engaged in a national well, struggle. Well, I would say this. I mean, and, and if we're engaged in a national struggle, how do we sign a letter of support for somebody leading the people to the other side, to the Democratic Party, you know? And it, I, I just find it fascinating that this letter comes out mm-hmm. a few hours before the most damning reports on Patrice Cullors. How does the timing work out like that, Aki? I don't know how the timing works out like that. Um, what I would say is this, though. The question should be more of the. This isn't a question of like necessarily politics for me. It's a question of allegiance. If it's nationalist, then we get on the, the 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 particulars of allegiance and loyalty, mm-hmm. and how they operate. Their loyalty does not be is not shown to be about what they say they're about. Mm-hmm. They they started off at one thing. They had to go through, change their protocols, change their mission statements, and then all of a sudden, black men were literally erased from it. And they still have a movement that stands on these so-called principles, mm-hmm. but now they're all about LBGTQ. I mean, real quick, and we talked about that. My thing is, two months ago, two three months ago, mm-hmm. a, do- a dozen plus organizations yeah. signed letters. Yeah saying that Patrice Cullors is not a democratically elected leader mm-hmm. and that have been misleading the movement. It seems like there's even people... This is my, my biggest point of critique. Yeah, there's, I know there's people of the black, so-called black revolutionary nationalists. Mm-hmm. I saw members of MXGM sign a letter of support. Yeah. After, these, after the grassroots came out against Patrice Cullors, yeah. there's a public letter of support that we sign on to. It seems like we're devaluing you know what I'm saying? What the grassroots has to say so we can follow the trend, so we can stay trendy. Well, and that's the thing, too. Those were members of MXGM. Right. That wasn't an MXGM. Well, still, I, my, my point... Now, my, those members? My point is... Who claimed, it, who claimed to be revolutionary nationalists right. are signing on to that? Right. They definitely need to be questionable in that. Mm-hmm. Because the question is, that gives your organization a bad name. But Aki, I don't think it's a stretch to say for organization to say you can't put our name in everything. Organizations True say indeed. That, organizations say that all the time. True indeed. Now, if we try to sign our name to uh, some public letter supporting who I don't know, uh, Grandmaster or, J. Yeah, Grandmaster J. <laughs> or Omar Johnson or somebody. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And and, and and we was on. You know what I'm saying? Now that they would have a problem with that. I would Th- probably th- think so. There'd be a problem with that. I would think so. You know what I'm saying? Now, now especially if we try to make it some big partnership. As, I mean, and it's it's more about because Black Lives Matter right now is the thing that's trending, and it's more than a letter of support. Especially when we've been a so-called affiliate organization for years, which mm-hmm. have, has stimmied, has cut the legs off of our critique. Mm-hmm. Being an affiliate organization of the Black Lives Matter Global Network has cut the legs off of our black revolutionary nationalist critique of the Black Lives Matter Global Foundation. Well, that's when you leave the critique to members in the organization to make those critiques. Like we're doing here, I guess. Yeah, you have to leave it up to the members because, see, here go. The national leadership, if it's a national organization, um, I'm new to the national movement thing, mm. um, they hold certain stance, and they should be clear on certain stances. Mm. That comes that deals with communication in your organization, mm-hmm. how your organization is built, how it's communicating, structured, and shit like that. But with 
takes place in a democratic organization. Mm-hmm. Um, this is when you have debates about these things on the floor. Mm-hmm. These things have to be questioned up because the reality is this: you have to be wise in who your allies are and who your enemies are. And an ally one day may be your enemy tomorrow. And your enemy today may be your ally tomorrow in warfare. Your enemy might make you an ally just to shut you the fuck up. That too. Especially in the context of the United States of America and how it's operated with us as a people. And especially in terms of Black Lives Matter and Black Revolutionary Nationalism. You know, I mean, I would say this. Um, I think most black movements have dropped the ball on BLM. Mm-hmm. Most of them. I don't think any of them have taken a solid stance because the, um, how can I, what's the word I'm looking for? The PC, political correctness, black political correctness, but also, um, what would you would say, um, the, um, the shame that comes. See, the minute you come up and you question Black Lives Matter, you may get hit with you hate black women. You hit black LBGTQ. I mean, you've seen so it. So a lot of people just don't say shit. You've seen me and others question intersectionality. Get mm. called all type of names. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, I, and I hate to say it. Um, in so-called the most revolutionary spaces, question intersectionality. They look at you like a like well, you the worst, like you a demon. Well, when you when you, you sort of got to remember that. It's a certain time period where those type of ideas and ideologies and theories and frameworks slid into mm-hmm. things. Cause, so to be honest with you, let me put it wrong. Intersectionality is not an ideology or a principle of revolutionary nationalism. At all. It's not in the foundation of it. It never had anything to do with it. Matter of fact, yeah, yeah, I can say that. You know what I'm saying? It's something that revolutionary nationalists of today, maybe you could say so-called, um, throw in there. Intersectionality, I would go a step further, is a disruption of the path that we were on. And honestly, I, I could agree with that. If you look at the trajectory of revolutionary nationalism and then if you put it in a specific sense to us, mm-hmm. revolutionary new African nationalism, it has definitely been a distraction mm-hmm. in the path that we've forged mm-hmm. to go further because and that, we didn't have those issues that intersectionality really sought to solve. And that, this isn't a, two black men saying that intersectionality disrupted the creation of a black patriarchy. This yeah. is this is two black men saying that what black people in our movement would have done without intersectionality would have been better than what intersectionality did in providing a more holistic, equitable treatment. Yeah. Of people in our community, mm-hmm. we would have done better without the without the white ideas of intersectionality. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. And and I say white ideas, even though they had black faces that gave them to us. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm speaking specifically in the mainstream context. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Because the, this is not ours. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the same old white feminist ideas being attached to this. It's I mean, the same old white feminist colonial gender ideas about black men about uh about uh non-white masculinity about about manhood about womanhood about domestic life and about Mm -hmm. the imperialist sphere yeah you know i'm saying like the fact that white feminism has taught black women to see the manhood of black men and white men as synonymous Mm -hmm. right this is you know and the fact that intersectionality supports this in ways we already described this episode 
you know, it shows you it's not ours. I mean, it was sort of to me, I always looked at it like this. They built the organization off black male death, but they were really secretly, or not secretly, but really they were seeking to build a black LBGTQ mm. national movement. I think they, they, and really, they probably stumbled into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to think, the first gentrifying gesture in all of this mm. was the white liberal money and the yeah. white media attention paid to Black Lives Matter over and above. Mm-hmm. And also, why did Black Lives Matter win on social media? It's because white people's on social media. Yeah. And I will say it's, this It's too. because they got the most likes and retweets from white people, not us. You could sort of see some things, too, because you're seeing Patrice Cullors with the other two. Out of here. You know? Um, as far as, I mean, not not, not, not organization no more. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? And and, and there and all the other organizations that could be, some to some extent, just as questionable. I'm not sure. I mean, yeah, that's part I of the question. That. We checked out a couple of them. Mm-hmm. We went into a couple of them on a couple of past shows. Okay. But, um, you know, like, like it's just, to me, more it's like a, a, a group of people mm-hmm. with cultural values and a cultural standard would not allow, will not allow or would not allow this. Mm-hmm. And that's where it lets me know more that black people need a cultural a cultural standard mm-hmm. and framework in which to see the hope yeah I don't want to see I don't want to say traitors I'm not going to call her a traitor misled misled yeah misled um ignorant I mis- say ignorant yeah misled it- and maybe yeah mis- misled and ignorant individuals who do knowingly and unknowingly harm right to black people right there's you know? a lot there's a lot of young black people that love intersectionality and yeah. what they're saying is they don't know they don't know that it's harm they think it's good they think that may but some of these people are maniacal they think that harming black men is what you know black men need to get right some but, of the, so, so there's some black people that just totally imported the slaver's mindset yeah and they think that black men need to be abused and marginalized and, and only let the tokens that prove themselves worthy out it goes back to something we talked about earlier with the CIA interview. Black man trash. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag. Yeah. Um, go back to what we said about the uh, CIA earlier and how they were using these terms. Mm-hmm. Black people got to start. We have to create new terms mm-hmm. that clearly, when we see things, help us identify what something is. Right. I learned this in the Nation Islam and other organizations where they put where you may hear them say something, you think they're talking about one thing, but it's something behind it that allows them to see other things. Mm-hmm. So whereas you see something, you see somebody doing something, me, traitor, turncoat. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You know, that, that's not revolutionary. That's not, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. that's that thing in you that makes you say. I mean, that overemphasis on the uh, oppression Olympics, who's the most oppressed? Yeah, you know. You know what I'm saying? Like, that is an imported battle. Yeah, you know, and important questions <laughs> in our politics. You know, what I'm saying like that didn't come from us. Yeah, because in the black community, they know who's the police is fucking up more. Yeah, it's no question. Yeah, you know, what I'm saying yeah. they're they're not outsiders that get to college and learn about blackness and this white gender theory and go to work. Well, that just comes from the simple fact that you know, and I, even though I know all black people hmm. ain't from the hood, Aki does not know a single white person, y'all. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know, even though I know all black people ain't from the hood, 
and uh, you know, uh, some of them came up in good neighborhoods and solid neighborhoods. It's a certain level of blackness that we all know. Mm. Um, but speaking from one who lived amongst the niggas, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we know exactly who they coming after. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and and at the same extent, like I, I, I mean, I didn't. It's so, so many examples that sort of debunk I mean, that whole thing just in your everyday living. We know we know where the emphasis is, you know what I'm saying? We know where the emphasis is from the oppression standpoint, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And we understand who needs help in our community. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And this idea that, you know, pushing black men away and to the side of marginalizing, that doesn't vibe with black men or women. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And yeah. um I forget the author now, but she wrote the uh, Against Competitive Victimhood, mm-hmm. uh, that article. Stephanie Phillips, ah. you know what I'm saying? And she spoke about that, you know, how black women have to move on from trying to compete who's the worst victim. Black feminists need to move on. Yeah. And also, one of the reasons black feminism has been so... Uh, the lack of embrace of black feminism in our community, she theorizes, mm-hmm. is because it misunderstands the oppression of black men. Yeah. And this is a black woman writing this yeah. correctly. You know, so uh, I mean, so the fact that BLM getting this money and distributing it this way is not something acceptable to all to, to the entire black community. Yeah, you know, it's what I'm saying? a death like, nail in the coffin to let people know y'all is on some bullshit. Right, the whole black community is not vibing with that. Now, some some of their resistance to it might sound like uh, sexism or yeah. even queer phobia, homophobia. Yeah, but understand, I think this brings us back to. Uh, you know, understanding the anti-colonial resistance of a, of a oppressed people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is going to uh, employ terms that uh, we don't agree with, especially yeah. as educated people. We're educated somewhat in the West. We we read some Western texts yeah. that explain, you know what I'm saying, why you shouldn't say uh, be against uh, homosexuality. Yeah. But we have to understand from an anti-colonial point of view yeah. that some of the black community's resistance to BLM and some of this programming that they see, yeah. the fact that it takes on homophobic qualities, I think we still have to lo- understand where it's coming from. Sometimes it's anti-colonial in, in origin. Yeah. You know, They might use a term you don't agree with, but what they're opposing is truly a white colonial gender system yeah. that they cannot always articulate about, right? Yeah. But it's there. Think about, and maybe I, this would be my last point on the topic, Franz Fanon, mm. in his uh, book, A Dying Colonialism, the first mm. chapter there is called uh, Algeria Unveiled. Yeah. And upon seeing the veiled uh, Muslim Algerian women, the European conqueror, you know, uh, on that initial contact, we want to unveil that woman. We want to see her, yeah. and we want to uh, really take control of her sexually. Yeah, away her. Uh, away, away from these men, right? Yeah. Now, they do this military uh, with military, but they also do this with popular culture. Yeah. So uh, Algerian men, Franz Fanon writes about this, uh, while being colonized, are dealing with cultural changes yeah. that are making their women uh, act in ways that are that open them up to the colonial advances of this European society. Yeah. Right? And that and that in turn also, you know, literally guarantees a generation of of submissive men for the next generation. Uh, if you if you open up the appetites and the thirst, if you take colonialism and put it on the table, mm-hmm. it's like it it, it smell it's gonna smell good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? A little bit of it even tastes good. Mm-hmm. But when you digest it, Shitting out worms and everything else. 
and part of the popular culture uh, response of Europeans against the Muslim culture of veiling women was those men are trying to oppress you. There you go. You know what I'm it's saying? It's not freedom. Uh, uh, Europeans convince, try to convince Algerian women that they're trying to oppress you. Take off that veil. Mm-hmm. Now, as the revolution proceeded, Fanon writes about how women began to use the proclivities of European men, you know what I'm saying, to act in revolutionary ways. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Where even women that took off the veil would wear it outside to hide weapons and grenades yeah. and take them to revolutionary places, right? Yeah. Or, uh, so, I mean, Fernand got deep with it. Yeah. But uh, I, I think the, the bigger point... It shows how you could turn something that the oppressor tries to mm-hmm. uh, now, uh, uh, oppose on you against them. Now, for, this is the drop back to my point that sometimes currently in our community that's very church-heavy, that's very Christian and conservative mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. The fact that sometimes how they oppose Black Lives Matter might sound like the homophobia of conservative society, but it's yeah. not coming from the from white conservatives. Understand it's not coming from the same place. Yeah. It's coming from an anti-colonial place, not the same place as white people mm-hmm. by and large. Yeah. Franz Fanon writes about this. Sometimes the resistance of Algerian men to having their women take off that veil were sexist. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But their sexism was coming from a place of attempting to shield from colonialism. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Now, does that mean that, uh, of course, this is part of a re- revolutionary process. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So if we if we understand black people, African people, yeah, as part of a revolutionary process where we're colonized yeah. and we're ingesting a colonial gender theory, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that is meant to colonize us, the mm-hmm. gender theory coming out of these white academies is meant to further us in our condition even though it seems radical mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying some of, some of those radical white people might preach it yeah and some of those most radical seeming black people might preach it yeah you know what i'm saying but if it's aligning people against black men and dehumanizing marginalizing the experiences of black men it's not for us yeah you know and uh, anybody that can't understand why that is or they just think that black men deserve to be so-called decentered, no, you think we deserve genocide if you believe that yeah, I, in this I, moment. I mean, you know, it's it, it, black people in America don't have that lived experience. Mm. We have a lived experience that tells us a lot of different things, but what it tells us is that we always have been the brunt mm. of white legal and illegal oppression mm-hmm. in the United States of America. Granted, the Native American. You know, outside of him, us. And so some people just try to think, they think that we don't. Black people got good goddamn common sense. We got, we can recognize shit real clear, mm-hmm. you know. And that's why I think BLM never had a foothold in the hood. It could never get the hood. It would come in, it would come in, but it could never get the hood like they wanted to because they could call bullshit. And I think y'all black, and y'all know that black people can call bullshit. So you come down there, and you do your little thing, and then you get up out of it, and you say you go for the money, you know? But we'll never see any of them down in the hood, you know? Um, I want to see what this money, I want to see what these organizations do. You know, I want to see how this pans out for them. Mm-hmm. I'm not a Black Lives Matter fan and never have been and probably never will be, mm-hmm. you know? And I ain't never been with them because from day one, my elders was telling me they on some bullshit. Mm-hmm. 
So, you know, we so, got... And sometimes how your elders said it might not have been the best way of saying it. No, might no, Might not have been no, the most this... politically correct. But you understand the anti-colonial resistance at the core of it. They said it the way it needed to be said it so we can understand it. That that goes too. Matter of fact, I quote exactly what they said. Them niggas is on some bullshit. Mm. And then they didn't... That's a nice way of saying it. You know, he, they wanted to make sure I understood exactly what it was. Mm. And so when I began to get the breakdown and see what they was doing in the early... Like, you know, I, it was more coming from just studying the actual work down in Ferguson mm -hmm. and what was going on in Ferguson. So, um, you know, I just tell black people to be aware, mm. you know, of these things. Be aware mm. of uh, the situation. Um, be aware of organizations like this. We know now. You know what I'm saying? What it is. We clearly see what it is. It's got to do better. And this is not to say that there's no issues, serious issues that need to be taken up as far as LG, black LGBTQ people go in our community. Mm -hmm. You know, but the solution to that is not to follow in line with white colonial gender theory. Mm. You know, and uh, I should be able to leave it there and people grant us that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Without going further. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so we will leave it there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that, you know, I, I, I think some people could listen to what we just said and be like, oh, y'all don't have nothing to say about black LGBTQ people. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. actually, uh, that, not this episode. Yeah. Not this episode. I could dig that. You know what I'm saying? And uh, not this episode. I keep. So with that, we're, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, much love, y'all. And uh, we'll see y'all the next episode. All right. Peace. Peace. Yeah, fire this time.